Welcome to the latest Lights Camera Sports Podcast. I'm Mike Galtieri. So happy to have you on board, which should be a very, very fun and exciting podcast here today as we're joined by Boston College men's basketball all-time leading scorer. That's right, Troy Bell joins us here. 2,632 points, Troy. That sounds pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah, man, good times back then. Thanks for having me, Mike. Troy Bell, nice enough to join us from Minnesota. Uh, happy to have you on board, Troy. Uh, we were talking before, we just miss each other at BC. You graduated in 2003, went on to the NBA. But uh, let's take it back, Troy. Growing up in Minnesota, were you always interested in basketball? You know, I always liked basketball. I was more of a football player by nature, but uh, I was just naturally a football guy, aggressive, and liked to hit people even though I was small. But Basketball was always more challenging because I had to work really hard at it to, to kind of get good. But, I mean, it was always something I loved. I loved, used to love Michael Jordan. I still got posters of him on my mom in, in my mom's uh, my mom's house. And it's funny, I go up there every now and then and check it out. But basketball has always been a big passion of mine. And then when you entered high school, talk about a career here. Uh, Minnesota, 2,491 points, fourth all-time in Minnesota history. Uh, you averaged 39.5 points a game, six rebounds, four assists in your high school career. Just talk about playing at the Academy of Holy Angels in uh, Ridgefield, Minnesota. Um, man, you know what? That seems like such a long time ago. I graduated in 1999. Um, you know, it was it was it was a lot of fun, man. But it was a lot of hard work. Uh, I had to carry the load a lot of nights. But I love my coach, Coach Westfold. He gave me the opportunity to start as a freshman and just kind of develop. You know, nothing nothing allows you to grow like like getting that experience to be on the floor. So you know. Got to give a shout-out to him, but uh, it was a lot of fun, man. Created some great memories. And then talk about, too, how, how did your college recruiting process go? Uh, when did you start hearing from schools? What schools did you hear from? Uh, you know what? It was kind of slow, man. I had good numbers. As a, as a junior, I remember I averaged like 28 a game, and uh, I didn't really have any scholarship offers that I can remember, but we we uh, we went to AAU. We play, I played AAU, and we went to the Peach Jam Tournament, and we did really, really well there. And then um, half my half my start – no, Matter of fact, five people from four people from my AAU team went to Nike camp, and they all came out top fifty. I didn't get to go, and when they came back, all the scouts were at our games, and that's kind of when when I got the got my shot to be seen. I knew I knew that all the scouts were going to be there because of what they what they did at the camp. So I took that opportunity and just made the most of it. And then I played against uh, Jason Williams at a at the tournament in Florida, something some showcase in Florida. And I ended up having like 35 or 36, and he had like eight or nine. And after that, I kind of could write my ticket. And that's Jason Williams, who went to Duke now at ESPN. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and and then when did what schools were involved? Was BC the first school to get recruit you and get you going? And how'd that process go? You know, my top schools at the time were Tennessee, Xavier. Back when Skip Prosser was there, uh, he came in at a home visit, had a great home visit, and um. Yeah, matter of fact, the best home visits were Xavier and BC. But what I liked about uh, BC was, I just well, first my visit to BC was amazing. I had great chemistry with the players. Uh, I just I just knew that was kind of the place for me. But I also liked Coach Skinner's low key approach. He just said we're going to be good with or without you, and I believe that that uh, I just I just believe that he was a genuine guy. I, I think so many times in the recruiting process, you don't really know who's genuine, but. He just seemed like a no-nonsense guy, and that's kind of how I was raised. So it just seemed like the perfect fit. You know, in hearing Jared Dudley tell me, Sean Marshall 
Tyrese Rice, and, and now you. That's kind of the common theme I've been hearing, too, about Coach Skinner when you approached him. He was just like, you know, if you want to come here, great. If not, we're going to win without you, but uh, he just kept it real with you. Yeah, he's not a babysitter, man. He's not a babysitter. He's not a disciplinarian. He allows you to kind of he allows you to be a man and make your own decisions. Obviously, staying within the framework of the team and what he expects from you. But you know, I'm I'm a simple guy, man. Coach Skinner is a simple guy, and I, I just appreciated his whole delivery, his demeanor, his attitude. And I, I, like I said, I just knew it was a place for me. Was there the moment when you committed to BC in high school? Was there a particular time where it just felt right, or did you just just pretty much that I'm going to BC. That was it. Um, you know, the, the, when I watched them play, because because the year before I came, they were six and twenty-one. I'm not gonna lie, that was a little concerning because you're looking at it like, whoa, this doesn't look so good. But then at the same time, it was also a challenge, and I wanted I wanted an opportunity to play and also try to contribute. So I think I think as a young player, you have to kind of decide who you are as a player, and because of like kind of what you, what I just what you described about my high school career, I, I was the kind of player that was used to having a lot of responsibility. I'm not, I was never the kind of person that needed to join a powerhouse situation to feel comfortable. I've always been comfortable taking a, a big load and, and and just kind of kind of lugging it around. So you know, it was kind of it was kind of a similar similar situation to what I've been used to. And then talk about too when you got to the heights your freshman year. Was there a moment when you realized, wow, this is Big East basketball? Was a particular game? Or anything. I know Jared Dudley said playing against Mecca Okafor was his moment. Welcome to college. Uh, was there a moment from you coming from Minnesota? You know what, man? The games are easy for me. I've never been much of a practice player. So I remember doing the two days, the college two days. Those were actually kind of difficult. Yeah. yeah, I remember calling uh, my friend, man. I called one of my friends. I said, yo, this is tough. Like, just, just the difference in the intensity of the practice. Once I get to the game and the popcorn and the lights are going, I mean, that's easy for me. That's what I do. But the practices were like the hardest part. But once I got used to the practice schedule and, and the intensity and all that, I felt at home. Then the freshman year, obviously you came from 6-21 to 21 to 11-19, and 19, so you showed some improvement that freshman year at BC. We should have at least been 500. We, 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 we lost a lot of games at the end that we shouldn't have lost from just inexperience. Yeah, and no no question about it. But anything you take away, what did you guys do between that freshman year and that sophomore year when you went twenty seven and five in that sophomore year? Just talk about the mindset the summer between those two years, which uh, you know, alluded to that improvement. The biggest thing was we were just tired of losing and we took a trip to uh France in the summertime and we got closer as a team, got to play some games. I think that's when we started to gel after that summer trip. And that's where you guys got going. You went all the way to the second round, the NCAA tournament. Just talk about those moments. That was your first NCAA tournament in your second, uh, your sophomore year. Yeah, it was tough, man. We we didn't shoot good against USC. We should have won that game, um, but it was still a great experience. Obviously, I think my whole team knows that that we should have advanced, and um, I mean it still hurts. Like I still remember free throws I missed in high school, so I've always been kind of hard on myself, but. uh yeah, I mean, it was a great experience, but you know, we didn't go there to lose that fast. So it's, I think, I think everybody on the team is still disappointed about that. Really, do you still talk to players about those that game? Uh, not about that game. It's just something that's inside you. You know what I mean? I feel like anybody that that really, really cares about what they're doing 
still 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 kind of bothers you no matter how long it takes <laughs> or yeah. it even bothers me i know it bothers kenny and a bunch of other guys i still talk to from the team so kenny walls yeah you're right and then you the next year you guys make the ncaa tournament as well junior year as, as well yeah that was tough man because when i came when i came from the usa team after winning gold i felt amazing that's the best i actually ever felt but then i ended up having a knee surgery before the season, um, you couldn't have told me I wasn't going to go to the NBA after that year. But after the, after the knee surgery caught up to me, I slowed down. That Ryan Sidney broke his jaw, and we, we started out undefeated. It, it was just a lot, man. Like Ryan wasn't the same player. My knee was hurt. That that should have been the year when we did some crazy stuff. But setbacks and injuries. But, I mean, it still, it still was as good as it could be, all things considered. Yeah, no question about it. And, and then 19 and 12, your senior year – I know that was a tough break. You thought you should have made the NCAA tournament your senior year. Yeah, I mean, we started off awful. You know, we, we regrouped at the end, but, you know, uh, it's, just, it's just tough to have a really bad start. But we still split with UConn to win the conference, and it's still kind of tough, in my opinion, to be left out if you split with if you split the conference, especially in a major conference. Yeah, yeah no question about it. A team like UConn, those, those, those years were, you know, they were championship teams on their end, too. Yeah. What, what was your favorite moment playing in the Big East, your four years at uh, BC? Um, you know what? I don't really have a favorite moment, man. I'm just, I'm just very appreciative for the relationships that I that I've had and the opportunities I've gotten. And um, you know, now looking back at it as a 36 year old who just recently retired, you know, you just, I'm just, I'm just happy that I that I was able to be healthy enough to do what I did, even though two knee surgeries in college isn't the most healthy situation. But, yeah, no you know, all, how did you all, hurt all your knees? What, what was it playing? Yeah, man, like I didn't do anything. Like the first time I was about to jump and block a shot and I didn't jump and then my knee popped. And then the third, the second time I just shot like a, a fadeaway. No one touched me. And it popped again. I didn't do anything, which actually made it way more frustrating because at least if someone would have hit me or I would have stepped on somebody, they're like, oh, okay, cool. But nobody touched me. Like, So I guess it was just like imbalances within my body. Wow. And, and, and no question about it. And, you know, those are the type of things you can't control. It's, it's, it's a weird, weird thing, as I'm sure you know. Oh, yeah, it sucks, man. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, I got Craig Smith here on Facebook Live asking who was your favorite teammate to play with. <laughs> Yo, Craig is so silly, man. <laughs> what up, Craig? I just saw him in LA uh, two weekends ago. You know what, man? Um, like I, I said, as far as as far as just talent, as far if we're talking just talent, I mean, Craig. You know, Craig was an animal. Craig and Ryan Sydney. If we're talking about just people getting it done on the, on the floor, but like I said, man, I I I've got so many so many close relationships, and and looking back on it, man, that's what really matters. Craig was an animal. No question about it. He, he's always been an animal. You know, and Troy, when I look at you, I feel like you were kind of the, the, the big recruit who kind of got it all started there for that decade-plus run at BC of winning. And uh, I feel like you were the, the trailblazer. Just give me your thoughts on that and what if Coach Skinner sold you on that part of it as well with your run at BC. Man, you know what? I don't even – I mean, I'm appreciative, you know, that, I, that I'm looked at like that. But for me – you know, one of the one one of the best things you can do for anybody is believe in them. And um, I just I'm just appreciative that Coach Skinner believed in me. I mean, he believed in everyone he recruited, but you know, just to have someone believe in you, you know, and give you the opportunity. I mean, that's all you can ask for, man. I don't even I don't even really um, care too much about 
it was funny because a guy, I, I just got done lifting weights, but a guy in the gym yesterday was like, man, I didn't know you were Troy Bell, man. You don't even act like this and that. And it's like, dude, I'm just a basketball player. I'm not carrying cancer. You know what I mean? There's no reason to have a big head and not be humble. So, you know, I'm just I'm just appreciative for the opportunity, man. I don't even, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, that they got some, some bigger name recruits and, um, and, and they had a lot of success. But I, I, I'm just – it's about the opportunity, man. It's about believing in people, and, and I'm just glad I was able to, to deliver. Well, no question. we got Craig Greasy who says Ryan was a beast and trail, uh, Troy Bell was the trailblazer. So there you go. you got some agreement here on Facebook Live. I appreciate it, man. Does, does that mean a lot, though, to you when when people talk about it? you? I mean, you're BC's all-time leading scorer, right? Craig Smith's number two right behind you. Does you take yeah, a certain Craig amount of pride with that, that ACC school? You know, we're not talking about a D3 school here. Uh, your ACC school, all the years they've been, you are number one for most points. Man, you know, it's it's it's, it's a beautiful thing, man. Um, but like I said, I just – and to be honest, man, it just seems so long ago. Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's 2017. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just leaving L.A. Fitness. I took my kid to daycare. You know, life changes. You know, life changes so much that it's like that was a chapter that, that, I, that I love and I'm appreciative for. But it's like it's just something that happened, man, and I'm just I'm just glad I was able to, like I said, deliver. And I tried to sign every single autograph that I could, and and I and because of the knee surgeries, I I I realized early that there was an expiration date on all of this. So I just tried to to be good to people and, and do my job and 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 just honor my commitment to uh to Coach Skinner and the school and my teammates. And before we get to the professional play, what's your favorite moment at BC off the court? What did you like to do off the court around the Heights, uh, if you remember back in those days? Man, what did, well, you know. Your favorite restaurant, um, favorite bar, favorite activity? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I didn't go out a lot, man. I didn't go out a lot. I've always been more of a homebody. Gotcha. Um, um, I, I would say just. Just the times hanging around, laughing with the laughing with the fellas, man, and uh, stuff like that. I wasn't a big bar guy. Never been a big club guy. Um, I just I just tried to avoid some of that for the most part, just to kind of stay out of trouble. You know what I mean? Like once you start factoring in alcohol and late nights, man, and jealousy, you just never know what could happen. So I tried to stay stay away from a lot of that stuff. Yeah, but um, but just like I said, just the relationships, though, Mike. Just just the relationships that I've built and, um, and, and also too, man, I, I've enjoyed seeing the success of all the guys I've, uh, played with, you know, a lot of, a lot of the fellas went overseas and, and did some good stuff. So it's just, it's, it's just great to see people you care about doing good. You know, I heard you were a good barber too on campus. That's the word I got. Yeah, I, I cut, I cut some heads, man. I used to, uh, <laughs> I remember I worked with, I worked with Craig and, uh, Lewis, on cutting hair because the barbershop was really far from campus so i showed them some a few things and uh you know it's it's just beneficial to know how to you know take care of yourself and not have to go off campus to do so many things especially when parking was so difficult as you know and we didn't have any cars so you know who wants to get on a train for like an hour just to go get a haircut and then an hour back you know with practice and trying to have a social life and lifting weights and eating and all that it's just a lot so i took a lot of pride in mentoring you know the people that uh that I could, you know, and I believe that's really important. Yeah, no question about it. All right, so you graduate, you know, BC, and you talk about the time leading up to the NBA draft. You're the first round pick, a 16th overall. Just talk about that time in your life as you're getting ready for the draft. 
Um, you know, it was it was it was pretty fun. It was stressful though. Uh shout out to Mike Procopio, man, for uh working out with me at the Celtics facility so that I could be ready for all the pre draft stuff. Uh, I ended up going to San Mateo in California training, getting ready for the draft, uh before I went to the pre draft camp. Went to the pre draft camp, came out top athlete as far as like the bench and the running and all that. Had a forty inch vertical, did the bench like twenty some times and so that was good. And then as a player, we played 20 minutes, average 18 and a half, and shot a shot great percentage. So, I mean, that was great. The workouts were were tough, all the travel and all that. Um, and then getting drafted was great. Um, where were you? On, I in, uh, go ahead. Hmm? Where, no, uh, you said where was I? Yeah, I on, dra- draft. on draft I had, night. I party at home. You were at home, yeah. Yeah, I had a party at home. Yep, I stayed home because I had a workout for the Wolves. I don't remember if it was the same day as the draft or the day before. I can't remember, but I know it was like right there. So I, I didn't, I didn't go to the draft. And would you just think about that moment hearing David Stern call your name? What would, what's the first moment that goes through your mind that night? You know, it was. It's just such a long process, man. You know, everybody dreams about going to the NBA if you're a basketball player. So it was. Uh, I mean, it was, it was, it was a beautiful thing. You know, there was so much work went into that and uh to finally get there was cool like i said though um shout out to jerry west for drafting me my body of work definitely you know said that i was somebody worthy of being drafted but going to memphis was just it just was uh it was tough because it just wasn't my kind of situation you know what i mean um just wasn't my kind of situation hubie brown's a great coach great basketball mind totally different than any coach i've ever experienced um really like how so how so um, it's just like when I think of my high school coach and I think of my college coach and, I, and and all that kind of stuff, like there was always good communication. There was always opportunity. Like when I went to, when I went to Memphis, it was, and, and also too, like, I just like everyone, like at BC, I was used to like real camaraderie, like dudes in Memphis were cool, but it wasn't like a closeness situation. You know, the pros are different. And it's funny too, because when I was playing on the USA team in Japan, um, that let me know that I was probably going to finish school even though I knew that coming into my junior year, minus the injuries, I was going to go nuts. But, but like when you're around all those egos and all that kind of stuff, it just, it, it kind of gave me a, an inside look on what the NBA could be. The NBA at its finest, you know, you're making money and you got friends and you hang out and do all this stuff. Nothing could be better than that. But if you get in a situation where it's not like that, then, you know, it, it could be really tough. And for me, it was just the complete opposite of what I was used to like, like a close-knit team, good communication. It was just like clock in, clock out, clock in, clock out. Well, you know what it is, what it is, because a job is a job. But it just wasn't anything that I was used to. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. it was it was just it was just weird, man. Hey, and, you, and with the end, huh? No, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, and then after my, fresh, after my rookie year, I had another knee surgery, and that really, really set me back, so. You know, it just it just wasn't in the cards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Talk about that knee surgery. Do you, when you got back, do you feel like – take us into your body. How does it feel like coming back playing the NBA at the highest, highest level? Could you tell a noticeable difference in yourself after the you surgery? No, I felt good. I felt good my rookie year, but I only played 34 minutes. That yeah. Points. That's no that's – no, between, like, games, that's no opportunity. But then, but then you go – but then I, I know I was going to get an opportunity in summer league, but then I ended up having my third knee surgery like the day before we were supposed to leave for L.A. Gotcha. And that, like, messed everything up. Like, I didn't get – so I didn't get any – so I didn't play the whole year, and then I didn't get any summer league, and then I went right to training camp, and, and I still wasn't, like, all the way healthy. So, 
you know, honestly, I, I can't blame uh, Jerry and them for doing what they did because I wasn't the same package. And without being able to play my rookie year and kind of show my worth, for them, they're just like, oh, well, you know what I'm saying? And then I went to Jerry's house uh, after I had my, knee, my third knee surgery, and Jerry told me, he was like, you know, after I had my third knee surgery, I wasn't the same. And I knew what he was saying, you know what I mean? And I just told him, I said, man, I hope I can, uh, you know, get back to, to how I used to be, you know. And, and unfortunately for me, I wasn't able to get back to that same athleticness that I had, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so like I said, I can't, I can't really blame him because at that point, I was not the same package athletically. And that, you know that's that's goes to show you time. We never know. At that point, what are you? Probably twenty four years old. At that point, yeah, twenty. Yep, twenty four years. Yeah. So it's just like you, you never, never know. But then you you kept on going though. To give you a lot of credit, two thousand six. Uh, you 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 were part of the first NBA D League draft. I correct, I believe, right? Yep, yep. I was in the D League draft. I went to Albuquerque, played with uh, Michael Cooper. Um, yeah, so that was kind of like me starting to like really regroup um with everything and then i ended up going to austin toros and that went pretty good and then um then i ended up in italy and um stayed in italy for a while went to france went to turkey went to argentina so i was just kind of on the world tour yeah and just, just talk about what is the difference between the d league and playing overseas what what is the major difference the, the, the different the difference between america being in america is that if your team's not doing good you can and you're doing okay Nobody really cares. They just blame. They'll say, oh, he's playing with some bums. But overseas, you can do as good as you want. If your team's not winning, you have a good chance to go on home. All, all, if your team's not winning but you're doing good, all that means is that you're going to be the last person to get cut because the teams that usually win overseas are the teams that have the best players from that country because Americans are a dime a dozen. There's a new draft every year with a whole new group of dudes that are hungry and want to play. So, you know, it's – you got you got to have good locals overseas to have a really good team. What to talk about off the court too? Did you enjoy your time in Italy, and France, Argentina, Turkey? I mean, you you definitely went around the world. Yeah, Italy was probably my favorite place because I spent the most time there. I enjoyed the food, I enjoyed the uh, the crowds and the people. Italy was love. Um, it was it was a great experience, man. You learn a lot about life and the world and, and your perspective changes so much because it's just not like being in America at all. But, but the love I received over there, um, it was great, man. I got some lifelong friends and it was, it was a beautiful experience. Did you ever follow BC in the NBA when you're overseas as well? Were you still, did you still kind of keep in touch a little bit? Um, you know, I tried the best I could, but it was kind of tough just because of the time difference. Like you never really get to catch any games. And some guys stay up all night, but for me, I'm like, man, I can't stay up all night and go to two practices. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I, I would just try to catch the scores. And then, and then once Skinner left and all the coaches, you know, went where they went, you know, it was tough because I didn't even know anybody at BC anymore. There was nobody in the basketball office that I knew. Everybody was gone. So it was just a completely different situation than what I knew. Yeah, no question. But how did you know eventually to re- retire? Was there a moment? A couple, what, what year did you officially retire, Troy? Uh, this is my first season not playing professionally. So I was in Argentina last season, and um, I in Argentina I kind of knew. Like, well, first of all, the hardest part was being away from my my kid because nothing's more important than being a dad. If I didn't have a dad, I mean, if I wasn't if I wasn't a father, I would still be playing right now. Wow! But, wow! Yeah. But um. But when when you're when you're away from your child and um to me that was just it was just getting to be too much. How old was is your kid right now? 
He's three. Yeah. So the, yeah, you, you're. And I and I missed his birth. So when he was born, I was in Russia playing uh in the Euro Challenge, and I missed all his birthdays except for this one. So, you know, it, it just it was just too much, man. I needed to shut it down. Yeah, no question about it. I feel like a lot. I talked. Remember talking to Sean Marshall, Tyrese Rice about that. They say that's the toughest part for them now is kind of balancing the family needs and being overseas. Yeah, but but they're still young. Not young, but they're still. But you, you got you got to go till you can't go, just so that when you retire, you can be okay with it. Because you don't you don't want to do anything prematurely and then be looking back on your life like, oh, I wish I would have did this or wish I'd have did that. Like I, I retired with no regrets, and honestly. With the injuries that I sustained and, and the pain I played through, you know, I, I probably went, you know, years longer than anybody else would have went. But I, I was just, you know, just trying to trying to finish it out the best I could. And that, that's great to be able to get be able to, uh, get paid to play basketball. Is, is you know, you always want to keep going with that as long as possible. Yeah, definitely. Last couple minutes here, Troy. Let's talk about your off-the-court endeavors. I know you, you, for a while there, I remember, we saw you in Minnesota at the NCAAs uh, in 2006. At that time, yeah. you were doing boxing as well, just to go back to that period in your life. Yeah, one of, one of my really close friends was a pro boxer, man. He was really, really good. And I picked up boxing to kind of get in shape while my knee was kind of recovering. And I ended up falling in love with the sport, man, the personal commitment and, and all of that. So I had a few fights, won all my fights, and, then and then I actually just went back to the D League or went to the D League from there. My trainer, he knew me for most of my life and he just said, you know, you put so much into basketball. Like, if you want to do the boxing thing, we'll do it. But I just think you should give basketball one more go because you put so much into it. And I thought about what he said and I said, you know what? You're probably right, man. So I just uh, gave the basketball one more chance with the D League. But honestly, I ended up breaking my hand at the end of the D League season. And I, had I not done that, I would have went back to boxing again. But after I broke my hand, I just looked at it as a sign that, hey, man, maybe you need to just heal up and go play basketball. Yeah, no question about it. But, hey, at least it kept you in great shape, right? Yeah, it did. It definitely did. And then now talk about what you're doing, the music, the R&B, the producing the music. Tell the fans or BC fans out there what you're up to. Well, you know, I started doing music in Italy, I think in like, oh, maybe like oh eight or something. No, oh seven, oh, I don't know, something like that. And um, I just always love music. I, I love writing. Um, I've only produced a few songs, but I write and I sing. And now I, I did. A, I had a project. I can't remember what year this is. All this stuff is running together, but maybe like in 2011 or something. And now I'm about to put out another project within the next couple of weeks called Alter Ego. Okay. How can we? How can we access that? How are we gonna be able to see that? Oh, it'll be on iTunes. It'll be on iTunes. And um, you know what? We'll be Facebook friends, and I'll just post it on my Instagram and on Facebook and. and It'll be right there for you. There you go, Troy Bell. So, last question, Troy. Where do we see you in five years? What What are you up to? What are you doing? Five years? You know what? I have no idea. Man. <laughs> I'm trying to put that together now. I'm doing some training. I love training kids, just part-time. Um, but as far as full-time, man, I don't really know. My dad, um, he actually just got out of the hospital. He hasn't been doing so well. So, okay. I'm not really comfortable with leaving the state for for a long period of time just because of – his needs and you know i've already missed so much time with him playing overseas all these years doing nine ten month seasons so i want to i want to be around here no matter what i'm doing obviously i'll take trips and all that but i'm not really comfortable relocating until uh until i really know what's going on with my dad but um 
I'll be training kids and making music and figuring it out, man. Um, I talked to George Mumford recently, the uh, the mental trainer. Yes, yes. From BC that worked with, uh, you know, Kobe and Jordan and all them guys. And, and I, w- I want to do some work with him because his mental, his mindfulness that we learned, it just it really, really helped me. I'm big into the meditation. So I want to get into that. And I just want to, just want to uh, figure it out, man. I'm just, I'm just enjoying figuring it out right now, you know. Anything you want to say to your BC fans out there who can catch up with you probably first time like 15 years to kind of just say what yeah. up to them? Yeah, you know, um, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just appreciative to the whole city of Boston, man. They, they show me a lot of love, and I mean Massachusetts in general. They should be the whole, the whole. Uh, really it was a love the whole time man i really i really received a lot of love and support man and i'm just appreciative for that and i hope that that uh they enjoyed my time you know when i was out there and uh yeah more than anything i'm just appreciative man you got me thinking as you were talking throw away money well talking about money was playing college basketball the most fun you had playing basketball in your life you know what to be honest man um all of it was a grind like like, you know, some people say, yeah, I'll go back and do it. I don't want to go back and do none of that stuff again. <laughs> like, honestly, like that. But that's why I play so hard because I, I play to where I won't have any regrets. Like, that's what I wanted to do, you know. So, you know, I don't want to go back to any of it. It was hard, and I, and I, and I worked my ass off. And, 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 and I think that's how you're supposed to do things. You want to do things to the point where you can look back on it and say, I did it. You know, I'm, I'm happy with what I did. And now it's time to move on. So, man, it was a, it was a lot of tough days, man, playing through pain and, and, and doing all the stuff I did. So, yeah, man, I'm I'm just appreciative for what I've done. But there's outside of just hanging out with my friends, there's not a moment that I would go back to as a player. Well, that's that's a great feeling to have, Troy. That's a great outlook on life, too. You know, be able to look it back that way and just you know put a bow tie on it. Yeah, that's it, man. It's over with. It is over with. And it, it, you, you, you're looking pretty good in the standings as well. Two, I'll repeat it again for all the BC fans out there. 2,632 uh, career points at Boston College. Number one all-time Boston College basketball, Troy Bell. You know, it's crazy too, Mike, because uh, Lawrence Moton's number one, but he played 13 more games than me, or 11 more games than me, and beat me by a few points. All I needed to do was not have a surgery, the surgery I had, and get one more game, and I would have had it. I would have had the whole Big East situation. Yeah, you're talking about the Big East, the of course, Lawrence Moulton, Syracuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you won the like, Big. I think I got the average. I got the average. All I needed was one more game. I'd have had the points. Wow, wow. And uh, but hey, you know what? You got big two-time all-time uh, Big East Player of the Year as well. You beat out Carmelo Anthony in your senior year. You know what though? I, I didn't really beat him out because I don't think a freshman can even get player to use. That's Obviously, true. Obviously, my stats were my stats were a little whatever, but Carmelo was an animal too, man. But I don't, I don't, I don't even think freshmen can get that award. <laughs> so, but hey, to, you, very limited players have only won that award twice in their four-year college career. Big East Player of the Year. Yeah, it was good times, man. Some hard work. No question about. It. Well, Troy, this has been a good time catching up with you, man. Really appreciate you taking the time. Went through all your career from high school, college to the pros, and now what you're up to after retiring. Really appreciate your time. No problem, Mike. And I'm going to get on Facebook and uh, make sure I accept that request too. All right. Hey, really appreciate it. Troy Bell, Boston College basketball all time career leading scorer. Thanks again for the time, Troy. No problem, Mike. Thank you, bro.